0: This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk This is Internet Marketing. Before we start today, we'd like to encourage anyone looking for help with their digital marketing to get in touch with Site Visibility. Whether you have a burning digital marketing question or you're looking for an agency to work with, they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call plus plus four four one two seven three seven three three four three three, or fill out the form at sitevisibility.co.uk slash contact. Alternatively, you can talk to either Scott or Sean via the live chat function on the site. They'd be happy to help. Now, today I'm joined by Al Robertson, independent branding consultant, author and novelist.
1: Al, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And Al, you're based in sunny Brighton, aren't you? I am indeed. Even as we speak, I'm just up the hill from you looking out of my window across the South Downs.
0: I know. I should have just walked up with the microphone, really.
1: And I don't know why we always say
0: sunny Brighton, because it's rather grey here today, but never yeah, mind. Yeah, it's
1: very grey, but uh, hopefully it'll be sunny tomorrow.
0: Now, i'm interested in your story um tell us a little bit about yourself
1: okay well uh as you said i'm i'm part author part independent branding consultant um and to be on the author side of things I'm, I'm a science fiction author i've got two books out two novels with collants uh, they're kind of dystopian cyberpunk and some extension an extended rant about what can go wrong with corporate branding mm. um i learn how to tell stories partially by writing short stories for for 10 years or so and before that by working in the film industry uh where i was kind of script consultant script editor type of person so there's always been a a very kind of deep sense of narrative you know at the heart of everything i do and at the heart of how i approach just about everything i do yeah so that's me as an author. That's me as someone who thinks about stories. Uh, and I'm also a branding consultant. I, I help people um, fundamentally you know, think about who they're talking to and what they need to tell them about themselves and, and you know, how best to use words and language in general to do that. Uh, so, yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking about words and how they work one way or another.
0: Now, I think that uh, stories are one of the most fundamental things that human beings like uh because i think it's i think it's baked into the medulla on blogata isn't it of uh of of people i think it comes from the caveman days of sort of sitting around the fire mm. but how do you you know how do you translate that to a brand how do you sort of tell um a brand story yeah, it's a,
1: it's, it's a very interesting question. I mean, you're right. Stories are hardwired into us. And, and one way of understanding stories is that they're just ways of thinking about how change happens in time. You know, you begin as one kind of person, you begin as sort of teenage Luke Skywalker being a bit of a no-hoper in the desert. Mm. And then things happen and you learn how to overcome them. You know, you overcome a series of obstacles, you become a, hopefully a, a better, stronger, or, or at the very least a changed person because of them. And all of a sudden you're kind of blowing up the Death Star and, and rescue rescuing an intergalactic princess yeah so you know that they're they're really useful for that kind of thing they're a way of thinking about change and thinking about the obstacles you need to overcome in order to change and that maps very easily into corporate life because so much of corporate life is thinking okay we're here we need to be over there. How are we going to achieve that? You know, what's our motivation to change? What are the obstacles we're going to overcome along the way? And once we've achieved the change, what's that actually going to mean for us? Mm-hmm. So it's useful on a corporate level, and it's very useful for brands as well, because of course humans understand themselves through stories. And um, when you're when you're building a brand, what you're really doing is thinking, how do I make myself attractive to humans? You know, how do I make what I sell interesting to the people who are going to buy it? And there too, understanding how story works. And, and the kind of stories people tell about themselves is, is, is a really useful, you know, it's a great aid for doing that.
0: Mm. You mentioned something quite interesting there because you talked about the effect of the company story sort mm. of versus the brand story. Is there a difference between the two?
1: Yeah, for me, there is, um, because the, the company story, you know, when you're a member of a company, you're, you're a member of a group of people sort of obsessed with a particular thing, you know, say widgets, for example, you know, we love widgets, we want to make and sell the best widgets in the world, widget technology is the most fascinating thing possible, it's brilliant, you know, yeah. but the problem is not everyone will share that that passion, you know, so there's the corporate story, which is kind of, we've got together to make the best widgets in the world, how are we going to do that? But there's a lot of stuff within that that's fascinating to you as a company. And to you as a group of people who are into that kind of thing, but maybe isn't so interesting to your consumers. So your corporate story is, okay, what are we as a group of people trying to do here? You know, how are we going to achieve it? How are we going to build ourselves up to the point where we're doing it as well as we possibly can? But for a consumer, that can be a bit, so what, you know, do you know, we had to fly all the way to Thailand, to sort the best possible material for our widgets and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And well, that's great. What's really interesting to the consumer is I'm trying to build something that uses widgets. Um, say, for example, it's a widget for a jet. I'm trying to build the best jets in the world. Your widgets can quadruple my, my sort of use of fuel, make my, my jets four times more efficient in terms of how they use, use fuel. Yeah. I do not care. Where you source the material for them that doesn't matter to me it's what they can do for me that matters and that's the kind of brand story it's saying okay what what problems are our customers or our consumers or our clients trying to solve and how can we help how can we insert ourselves into their story so it's kind of two separate things for me
0: yeah and because your background with uh, the film industry, and mm. and sort of, I know that with Phil, I'm not a film expert, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that Phil, a good storyline has like a villain, it has a hero. Okay. And I'm just wondering how those incorporate into brand stories. Who's the real hero of a, of a brand story? How does that
1: work? Oh, the real hero is always the consumer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I always get the, the, there's the classic thing where you think we have our brand story and it's all about us. But if, for example, you go and buy a can of Coca-Cola, you know, hot day, you need something refreshing. You go and buy a can of Coca-Cola, you drink it and you feel better for it. And you don't think to yourself, my God, I have been able to help Coca-Cola achieve world dominance in soft drinks. How privileged I am to be able to do that. You know, you think, oh, it's a hot day and Coca-Cola has helped me out. And and, and now I'm cooler and bouncier because of them. So for me, the hero of the brand story is always the consumer. It's always the person doing the buying. And the question the brand has to ask is always, how can we help them achieve the important thing they're trying to achieve?
0: Also, I'm just trying to uh, work out uh, sort of a really obvious question, actually, when you think about it. But sort of, so why do we need a brand personality?
1: I think a a brand personality is it's kind of a shorthand for everything that that the brand represents. And it means you can get to know it and get to trust it and decide to kind of let it into your life without necessarily having to dig too deep and do kind of loads of research. You know, you just say, okay, um, Innocent are a fantastic example of a very strong brand personality. You know, they stand for kind of lovely fresh fruit, great health, you know, a very positive way of doing business. And none of it feels kind of austere or preachy it's all very enjoyable and very bouncy and fun and when you engage with them because they have such a strong personality you kind of trust them straight away yeah i know i want this kind of drink i want an innocent drink and you go from there Hmm.
0: we talked earlier about um heroes and villains in a storyline is there any ever a case where like you could be the villain like one of the bad guys
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, it can be a tremendously useful way of thinking about your brand. You know, uh, if, if you want sort of step aside, because, of, of course, everyone wants to think their brand is perfect. Everyone wants to think that it works really well in the marketplace or whatever. But, of course, everything goes wrong from time to time as well. Yeah. So you can take a step back and say, OK, you know, if we're the hero with this kind of hero, if we're a sidekick, if we're helping people do things, we help them do these positive things. But it's always worth asking the question. How might we be getting in their way? Mm. What are the negative things we could be doing? I mean, if you go back to Star Wars as an example, obviously you have the good guys, you know, you have Luke and everyone else. But then you look at a character like Han Solo, he becomes a bit ambiguous. You're never quite sure if you can trust him towards the end of the, until it reaches right at the end of the film. Mm. And there are brands that are like that, you know. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're a bit untrustworthy. And then there are brands that become actual dark opposites. So, you know, Darth Vader is the opposite of Luke Skywalker in every way. Luke is young, Darth is old Luke is the son, Darth is the father sorry, big, big spoiler um, Luke is about freedom and Darth is about control yeah. and they're kind of opposites and brands sometimes become the opposite of everything they preach, so if you look at some, the big technology brands are doing that a bit at the moment, if you look at people like Google and Facebook, you know, they began in a very utopian way, they began by being all about freedom and community and sort of you know, building strong relationships with people you love but they've kind of become the dark opposite of what they used to be you know they're sort of incubu- incubating all kinds of deeply negative political issues yeah they they become a very dark and slightly controlling presence so you know if if i was someone like mark zuckerberg and if i want to say okay what's gone wrong one interesting question i could ask myself is okay if i have become the villain what's the nature of that villainy how does it relate to the good i'm trying to do how how did i end up being the opposite of what i wanted to be and how do i start taking steps back from there and that in itself is a story because stories begin with the thought Something is wrong in the world. I need to change. How am I going to change? So in a sense, Mark Zuckerberg uh, is at the beginning of an interesting story. You know, dark things are happening. Mm. How do I take control? How do I get out of this hole I found myself in?
0: Now, we often hear about tone of voice, don't we? I was just wondering, Al, sort of, first of all, what are the basics of tone of voice? What does it actually mean?
1: well tone of voice is it's it's one of those very interesting things you know it's something i've been very involved with for the past few years and and had a lot of of fun you know helping people get grips with and really one way of describing it it's basically like you know when you're setting up a brand when you're building building yourself up you think right we've got to get the designers in we need a logo we need a style guide we need a look and feel you know and i think everyone understands the value of that yeah tone of voice is basically just that for words so instead of thinking in terms of uh visually how are we going to define our brand how are we going to communicate a clear coherent and attractive set of brand values you think okay well we're as much about the writing as we are about the look and feel how are we going to make sure we do do that with words so tone of voice is, is really what designers have been doing forever um just doing it for words and
0: i'm just wondering Uh, Just a few tips on how to create a, a unique tone of voice and sort of how to bring it to life in the writing.
1: Oh, gosh, well, I mean, the, there's the sort of general stuff that, that I usually end up saying to just about everyone. Um, and, you know, the, there's a lot of very useful advice uh, that, that that's very classic. First of all, keep it simple, right? Shorter sentences and shorter paragraphs. So the basic rule for me there is kind of never let your sentences go on longer f- for longer than 15 or 20 words. Yeah. Never let your paragraphs be more than two or three sentences long. And obviously, that's tremendously generic advice. You can break it. But just... Just doing that can make it, it breaks your text up it makes it, it helps it flow more easily it makes it easier and more appealing to read so that's one important thing secondly avoid using the passive too much um and that that for me is a profoundly interesting one so you know about the difference between active writing and passive writing
0: oh so i used to know the difference but i've kind of forgotten could we just go over it briefly for our listeners Absolutely. Well,
1: active writing is, is where you start with with whoever's doing the thing that is being done and then you describe it in a very simple way. So you say, I went to the park um, and it's clear who's doing what, what they did, you know, and you're if, if you're being a bit technical about it, you're using the active voice of the verb. Passive writing reverses that. So you say something like the park, well, you can't say the park was went to because that sounds appalling. Mm. Uh, you say the park was visited by me and you kind of reverse it. You start with the object of the sentence, the yeah. thing that is being done to, then you have the verb and then you drop yourself in at the end. And the passive voice is kind of interesting. It's, it's very popular in corporate writing because you can strip out the person who's doing the doing. So instead of saying the park was visited by me, you, you just say the park was visited, and that was that. Yeah. And suddenly things get very anonymous and very bland. Um, And that's why corporate writing loves it, because the people who use the passive in a corporate context are often people who feel like, you know, I don't have too much control over my environment, I don't have too much control over what I'm communicating, I really don't want to get into trouble. Um, So I'm just going to use the passive and strip myself entirely out of of whatever it is I'm saying. Um, And you see it a lot. Uh, Politicians do it a lot. They say things like lessons have to be learned. Um, Mistakes have been made and lessons have to be learned and it's a great way of saying something has gone wrong while avoiding any responsibility for it whatsoever yeah so that that's why it's a good thing to avoid because it strips out that sense of personal presence and personal responsibility and makes your writing feel very bland and and you know really to be honest a bit monolithic and depressing
0: this is why you get those really annoying corporate um sort of statements don't you like usually as a result of a complaint (laughs) one of them is um we at widgets and co take your whatever very seriously
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and that's actually that's actually a reasonably good sentence i think instinctively you're quite a good writer you know cuz the an even worse version would be the complaint. your complaint has been taken seriously by widgets and co or something like that. Yeah. no you know <laughs> It's awful, but there's a really good test for the passive that the, a the, the, the fellow writer, uh, a guy called Bill Hilton, mentioned the other day. Uh, it's called the by monkeys test, mm. um, and basically, what you do is that if you can stick by monkeys on the end of any sentence and the sentence still makes sense, you're probably writing in the pa- in the passive. <laughs> so, if you can say, so, you know, if you say, "I have made a mistake by monkeys," you know, obviously <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But if you say a mistake has been made by monkeys. monkeys There you go. You're writing in the passive, you know. And at that point if if you can state by monkeys on the end and the sentence still makes sense, you're you're writing in the passive and you need to rethink what you're saying. Um,
0: Your complaint is taken very seriously by monkeys. By monkeys. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I just want to zoom out a bit, uh, because we've been at 5,000 feet. I just want to go just briefly to 20,000 feet, um, looking at the general um, sort of content strategy. Yes, let's use the content strategy word. I'm just wondering how writing fits into that. Uh, What are the basics of content strategy, sort of from the context of writing?
1: I mean, that, that in itself is a fascinating question because it, it's such a kind of how long is a piece of string question. You know, there are so many different ways of, of approaching content strategy and even understanding what it is. Yeah. Um, from my point of view, the really interesting, you know, what... what 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 I like to grips with is, is first of all, starting with the general sense of, okay, you know, once again, we're talking to a customer, we're talking to a consumer, Um, we need to reach them, we need to move them in certain ways, and we need to make sure that they think the right things about us and learn the right things from us. Basically, we need to turn the massive information that we know into what they need to hear Mm -hmm. so partially what, what fascinates me endlessly about about you know that whole process is saying who are we talking to what do they need to hear from us what is the best way of bringing that to life from them? And then digging into the massive, massive knowledge that companies always have and pulling out the pearls and arranging them in such a way that they kind of bring the customer closer to us in, in a way that feels very comfortable and very natural for the customer, but is also very carefully caught, thought through and sort of nicely controlled. So for me, that that's kind of version one of what content strategy means, building your content in such a way that... Um, you know, it, it, it gives the right people the right information at the right time in the right way to build really solid, enduring relationships with them. Mm. And that that's kind of version one of content strategy. And and version two is, is almost even more interesting because um, I'm always fascinated by the way that information flows through companies. Yeah. What, one of the things I've found as a, as a consultant and before that as a writer is, is that good or bad writing never happens just because of the writer. It happens because of the environment and the structures that surround the writer. Mm. So it happens because of the way they're briefed, the way they can challenge and question the brief, where they can go for further information, whatever, the way that their writing is kind of edited and comment on and the way it's finally signed off. So good writing is, is really the end product of a much broader process of saying okay this is what we know this is what we need to say this is how we're going to say it and this is how we're going to approve it once we've said it and i kind of love tangling with that because you, you begin to understand the sort of deep politics of a company what it really thinks how it understands itself and and you know you can get some really interesting places
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned briefs Mm. Or the brief, because yeah. I was wondering about the actual nitty-gritty. Sort of, we've been at fifty thousand feet. Just zooming back down to two thousand feet. Yeah. Um, about how you actually get the writing done. And I know that um if you're serious, you'll you'll have a good brief. Now, what? First of all, j- just briefly, pardon
1: the pun. <laughs> what is a what is a brief, and why is it so important? Well, a brief fundamentally is, um, you know, it, it's it's a way of working out what it is you need to say before you actually sit down and say it. Yeah. So metaphorically speaking, if you do you remember, do you remember the days before GPS? You know, when we all had maps.
0: Yes. Uh, when it was impossible to unfold a map and keep it flat while while oh, trying to drive.
1: Gosh, yeah, no. Or a cycle. Brutal. And, and and that's a really good example of why you need a brief, because yeah. having a good brief is the equivalent of sitting down at the kitchen table the night before you go off on your journey, yeah. unfolding your map and carefully planning it out. And I don't know about you, but I always used to I used to drive quite regularly from St. Andrew's up in Scotland all the way down to London and, and back again. And so I'd always sit. I could. Ne- I was never confident I'd remember the route. You know, I could never remember which junction to change at. Yeah. And um, so I'd always sit down the, n- the night before and make myself a list of. Okay, these are the motorways I'm going to be on. These are the junctions I'm going to change. These are the signs I need to look out for. Yeah. And I, from the huge map with the whole of Britain on it, all the way down to a single sheet of paper that had my journey sort of sketched out in about six lines. And while I was driving happily along in my mini because um, I used to drive a Mini, it was a fantastic car, yeah. um, I could just reach out and sort of glance at it and it was no problem at all. And it, it, because I'd planned out the journey, the journey was painless and I never ended up with a map covering the entire windscreen, you know, sort of veering off the motorway. you out the window. All that stuff, yeah. yeah. And and my little bit of paper and the work I did to, to put it together is the equivalent of a brief. And if you have a brief, once you sit down and write, it's a smooth, easy, painless process, relatively speaking. And if you don't, you end up like Mr Bean with the map covering the, the, the windscreen sort of careering through a field feeling, feeling very confused. Wrapped
0: around so, your head, yes.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. you know. And all of a sudden there's a puzzled looking cow looking in through the window and you're upside down, you know, and nobody wants that um so yeah and 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 you know a brief can be a very simple thing you know when you're sitting down to write you really need to just ask yourself okay first of all who am i talking to and have that very clear in your head and then you need to ask yourself well you know i know who i'm talking to why why on earth would they want to hear from me you know mm. what what's driving this this thing that I want to write for them? You need to understand that. And you think, okay, well, I know who I'm talking to. I know why I'm talking to them, why I'm trying to reach them. What do I need to tell them? You know, what are the important things that I have to say to them? Then you work that out. And then finally you say, okay, well, I've got the who, the why, and the what. How am I going to talk to them? What's the kind of tone of voice I'm going to adopt? And we talked about tone of voice in general, but yeah. any corporate tone of voice can always flex. So if you're writing to them with good news, oh, you've, you've just become eligible for a discount on something. You know, you might write to them in one way. If you're writing them to them in bad news, well, I'm terribly sorry, but you haven't paid your bills. So we're going to have to cut off your gas. Then you would write to them in another way. So it's really just sort of understanding that, who you're trying to reach, why why they need to hear from you, what's so important to them about your communication, what you're going to tell them and how you're going to tell them it. And then once you've got all that locked down, then you can begin writing. And, and as you write, you'll find your writing experience is kind of much more relaxed and much more enjoyable. Yeah. Much less, you know, kind of climbing the walls with frustration and terror while a blank piece of paper stares at you endlessly like, uh, you know, sort of... Um, I don't know, a sort of presentiment of mortality or something.
0: And presumably that's because the brief has given you a sort of, like, framework to start from rather than, as you say, a complete blank slate...
1: Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. It's helped you think through. So instead of trying to work out what you're trying to say and how to organize it all on the hoof, you know, you've kind of thought that through in advance. Mm. And I think also a a very important thing to do is, is as you're going through all this, you know, you know who you're talking to, you know why you're talking to them. So when you reach the what, when you reach the information you're going to give them. That helps you sort that. So you can say, okay, well, what's the most important thing I need to tell them? I'll start with that. What supports that? Okay, that comes in afterwards. Are there any things that are nice to have in there but not essential? Okay, I'll make a note of those, and if I've got room, I'll put those in. Mm. And is there stuff that I thought was actually quite important? That I've realized now I really don't need to have in there. Brilliant, I can bin that, you know. So it helps you sort of sift through all the information you have to hand and pick out the really important stuff. I mean, I, I think one of the big problems when people are writing in general is that they know the area they're writing about so well that they have all the information in their head at once and they want to get it all out. And actually, the big challenge in good writing is not how do I get everything down? It's how do I choose the right things and how do I get those right things down? And the brief helps you do that. And then your broader kind of content strategy helps you do that as well, because any document you write should sort of sit within your broader content strategy. So you should be saying, OK, I'm writing this document. It has this role within a broader conversation that we're having with the customers. And so I don't need to tell them everything because it's just one part of a bigger conversation. I know when
0: I try and write, uh, one of the biggest problems I have actually is is sort of writing too much and knowing when I've finished. Yeah. Have you got any sort of top tips for realizing when you've finished? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you can kind of go on forever. And I think the most important thing is to step out of your own head where you have all the information you're ever going to need, and put yourself in the customer's head and think, okay, what do they need to know here? You know, what am I trying to achieve by telling them this? And that that really helps you because you're thinking, okay, I'm communicating with them because they desperately need to know this thing. I have now told them this thing. I can now stop. And also you can say to yourself, well, I'm communicating with them in this broader context, you know, as part of this bigger conversation that my company's having with them. Because of that, they already know X, Y and Z because at an earlier stage, you know, they might have looked at our website or they might have picked up a brochure or seen an advert or read our blog, anything at all. They will already know this stuff, so I don't need to tell them that. And if we get if this conversation with them continues, well, at a later date, we're going to tell them A, B and C. So I don't need to tell them that right now either. I'm just at this crucial point where i tell them these few things and then stop well
0: we've covered quite a bit of ground today so basically that the whole area of like storytelling and sort of writing if there was one thought or tip you could leave our audience today al from all this what would it be (laughs) one parting
1: thought I think always write from the point of view of the person you're writing for, because I think very often people sit down and say, okay, I've got lots of writing to do, and I'm going to write lots of stuff out of everything I know. And I think the really important thing is to put that to one side and say, no, someone is going to sit down and read this, something is going to change because they read it, they're either going to think something different or do something different. So what's the nature of that change I want to achieve? And how do I help make that change? So right, right out of there, right out of them, not out of you.
0: Al Robertson, thanks so much for coming on today. How can our listeners find out more about you?
1: Well, there's my corporate website, alrobertson.co.uk, where where there's a lot of stuff about the consultancy and my blog and everything like that. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn as Al Robertson. Um, So, you know, I'm very easy to find on there. I think I'm linkedin.com slash Robertson Al because there's another Al Robertson. Um, So I'm Robertson Al. If people want to find out about the author side of things, then there's my author website, which is at illumination.co.uk. That's basically Illumination, except with an A, not an I. And, of course, the books are available. You can get them on Amazon. They're available as audiobooks. They're in all good bookshops. uh, And they've been translated into French, German, Russian, and Hungarian. Good grief. That's impressive.
0: And we'll have those as links in the show notes. Um, Al, if you want to send those over, I'll get those in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So um, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, the show notes will be available, sitevisibility.co.uk slash podcast um, Please leave us a review if you're enjoying the show. Um, questions and suggestions to podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. And we have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. So that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Al. Thank you very much. And I'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.